this bypass you know what happens is they cut through your uh, bones for i think 8 9 weeks you have to wear a chest strap even if you cough pains and you know it's quite tender so first two months you are only told to walk to gain your lung and heart strength back so i did that from april to june where i could just walk around and build some uh, lung strength june onwards june 2013 onwards which in when the monsoon start in mumbai i was told okay now you can take your cycle out but be careful from that monsoon onward till today 10 years now every monsoon nothing stops me from going out whether it's floods heavy rains at 5:30 in the morning so that first year i actually changed my life with vengeance i was in war mode and uh, kind of i literally thought i have to fight to get my life back I am Vinky and this is the Working Athlete podcast. Here I talk to working athletes from all walks of life and experts from various sports to provide you with inspiration, training tips, time management and lifestyle advice. If this is something that interests you, please make sure you subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss any future episodes. For today's guest, Chetan Shah, life has thrown many challenges his way. In 2009 he had a tumor removed from his brain which resulted in hearing loss in one ear and a loss of a balancing nerve. In 2011 he had to undergo a knee replacement surgery. In 2013 he had to undergo a full bypass surgery for his heart because of five blocked arteries. Despite all these challenges the fighter that he is Chetan has decided to fight for his life and turn his life around. In the following 10 years till date, he has ridden about 130,000 kilometers. That is nearly 13,000 kilometers per year. Rain or shine, he rides 6 days a week even in the toughest of climatic conditions of Mumbai monsoons. In this episode we talk about his inspirational journey. We talk about the lifestyle choices that he made that helped him turn his life around. We also talk about many self-supported bike tours that he has done all around the world. And finally we talk about the tour of Nilgiris where I first met him. It was an inspiring conversation with an inspirational individual. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. But first, this episode is brought to you by findbetter.ai. Findbetter is a social networking app for cycling and running enthusiasts to discover and shop together. For a cycling enthusiast like me, it is a treasure trove to find all sorts of bikes and accessories both used and new. I tend to get a lot of direct messages asking for where to find a bike on a budget etc. Nowadays I simply tend to direct them to the Find Better app. It is an app that is completely free to use and is available both on Google Play Store and the App Store. Download and you can follow me on the app as well. I am there on the app as Bikey Winky B I K E Y V E N K Y. Now Enjoy the podcast. Hi Chetan, uh, welcome to the Working Athlete podcast. It is a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Awesome. Uh, 
and obviously i've uh, you know the first time i saw you was uh, in mysore uh, you know on day 0 of our uh, tour of nilgiris uh, 2022 that is last yeah. year in december and uh, uh, as soon as i kind of saw you um, our good friend uh, rushit uh, came near me and uh, said you know that guy uh, chetan he rides every day rain or shine every day he is you know he starts his ride on a particular spot in mumbai and he doesn't uh, you know let anything stop him and i was like oh wow that is really impressive <laughs> and uh, you know uh, we i've seen you ride uh, through the tour and uh, i got to know about your uh, inspiring uh, journey and uh, you know i want to take this opportunity to kind of uh, share your journey with the wider audience uh, through this podcast uh, so welcome here again um, yeah. let us start by talking about what is your uh, you know relationship with sport uh, growing up if any oh yeah i've been a active cricketer for almost 25 years in fact i was a left arm fast bowler and i played club cricket for almost uh, 26 years at the age of 43 so wow. quite a lot of cricket cricket was life in fact at one point super so when uh, af- after uh, so as a cricketer you would uh, you would be uh, you know uh, you know uh, exercising daily you sh- you would be uh, you know doing cardio weights and all that i probably would have stayed active throughout that life um so uh, once you kind of stopped playing cricket did something else take its place or how did uh, that period go yeah so in 2011 mm-hmm. uh, you know i my, my knee had deteriorated to a very bad state i couldn't walk 10 feet without limping and uh, this continued for a year and then i had to have my uh, left knee replaced so that's when doctor said now no more cricket no more marathons you need to look at either swimming or cycling what well, these are non weight uh, bearing exercises so that's when actually uh, bike actually came into my life and uh, i became kind of a weekend ride uh, warrior riding not so often but once in a while and in 2013 i had a heart bypass after which actually i became a daily cyclist so yeah the knee replacement is what got me into cycling because i had no other choice ah uh, that and it happened in 2011 you said 2011 yeah yeah right and you also had a, a tumor uh, in your brain removed or something like that yeah, what, what was that about uh, i just out of thin air one fine day i was diagnosed with a big tumor on the left side of my brain and uh, came out of nowhere but anyway the point is with the tumor uh, with the brain tumor the doctors also removed my left side earring so there's no earring on this side of the brain i mean body and also there to remove one uh, balancing nerve um, to remove the tumor so kind of that happened okay so was it i mean uh, was there any kind of symptoms at that time that kind of uh, uh, you know uh, led you to that diagnosis or what uh, how no, did uh, that discovery happen few days i was getting a lot of headaches 
and the addict wouldn't go and my dra- wife dragged me to a doctor and the doctor ordered a mri and i was kind of quite uh, you know puzzled why do you need a mri for a, you know headache anyway one thing led to the other because the doctor suspected something and that mri showed a big tumor uh, inside which obviously must have been going growing over the years but i didn't know till it was really affecting me and there were headaches and the hearing on one side it also deteriorated which i didn't realize so yeah that's how okay. it just came that's it right so but uh, you know that uh, uh, operation and that balancing now removal would uh, affect uh, you know your your ability to kind of stand or keep balance uh, uh, you, you know you are riding a bike so how does that affect uh, you know your daily this thing well the doctor said that this balancing nerve removal you will have to get used to it and eventually a sense of balancing your body will have to come from the other balancing nerve and uh, yeah i have taken to it one side i can't hear there is always that uh, ringing noise in my ear 24 by 7 and is balancing now so i've got used to it now and i'm living with it for now 15 odd years okay yeah right okay. is that ringing in the ear uh, still uh, a reality even today yeah yeah it's called tinnitus and you put me in a you know a room without any noise and it's there always 24 by 7 so when we are talking okay. over the noise around you don't feel it but the moment i'm in a quiet room it's always humming yeah it's still there. okay meditation is not a great uh, this thing in that case oh no <laughs> okay so uh, coming back to your uh, knee replacement and uh, you know the start of uh, cycling uh, how much were you uh, riding uh, around that time and uh, what was your routine around uh, uh, around that period I like I said I was more of a weekend warrior I would really was hmm. not a cyclist at that point the distance would be quite small 20 25 kilometers two times or three times a week so it was not really much so hmm. very few so, okay but everything uh, like you said everything changed after 2013 when you had uh, that bypass let us talk about uh, that bypass and you know the diagnosis uh, how did it come about and how were you able to deal with uh, you know such a uh, you know shocking kind of uh, news so kind of uh, 31st march 2013 i was uh, walking after the office with my wife in my uh, society compound and suddenly i had chest angina severe chest pain and i just collapsed on the ground luckily my wife was there so a couple of people came they made, made me sit around and uh, that's it so kind of uh, we realized something wrong she put me in a car took me to a hospital and uh, I, i mean they did all their tests and uh, next day when they did uh, these angiography uh, they were found that a lot of key uh, arteries were blocked uh, five or six in fact so they said you can't have uh, stents put in you will have to have a full fl- full fledged heart bypass and a big one with five arteries to be replaced it all happened wow. suddenly one fine day and uh, it just happened overnight yeah mm mm-hmm. mm so i mean uh, 
so you had to undergo the bypass surgery immediately to kind of uh, keep you going right so did uh, is there uh, uh, is it like a genetic uh, this thing or how how did that kind of come about was it a, a result of a, a lifestyle because you seem to have been active most of your life uh, so how is there any kind of underlying reason uh, that was given to you around that? Well, frankly, I don't smoke. I didn't smoke then. I don't drink now. I didn't drink then. Uh, my family has a genetic, I mean, hereditary, you know, cardio issues. My father died of a heart attack. Uh, uh, my mother died of a heart attack. My elder brother also has had a similar bypass. So kind of, yeah, it's been there in the family. So probably, you know, that's how it has come down to me. So Right. Yeah. So, and probably because you have been active throughout uh, your uh, life, uh, that kind of helped you overcome yes. that uh, yeah. in, in a sense. Right. So once you uh, went through that bypass, what was the life like in the initial uh, days and months of yes. recuperation? So let me tell you the bypass, the, even before the bypass, when I was told that, you know, you will need a bypass, I kind of completely broke down in the hospital bed itself, started crying for a couple of hours. I mean, too much had happened to me. I have lost hearing, uh, brain tumor, knee was replaced, and now, you know, my heart was going to be, so kind of I was really demolished down and completely, you know, uh, quite shattered with this news. So even before yeah. the bypass, uh, you know, crying, 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 I kind of thought that I have to fight to take my life back. And I just bought a road bike a couple of months before this. And I thought to myself that as soon as I'm allowed, I'm going to use this bike to kind of, you know, get my fitness and life back. Back then, that was uh, my uh, thought even before the bypass. So yeah, after the bypass, you know, what happens is they cut through your uh, bones. Uh, so for, I think, eight, nine weeks, you have to wear a chest strap. Even if you cough, you know, it pains and, you know, it's quite tender. So first two months, you're only told to walk to gain your lung and heart strength back. So I did that from April to June, uh, where I could just walk around and build some uh, lung strength. June onwards, June 2013 onwards, which in when the monsoon start in Mumbai, I was told, okay, now you can take your cycle out, but be careful. From that monsoon onward till today, 10 years now, every monsoon, nothing stops me from going out, whether it's floods, heavy rains at 5.30 in the morning. So kind of, yeah, so that first year, uh, I actually changed my life with vengeance i was in war mode and uh, kind of i literally thought i have to fight to get my life back so june onwards almost daily i was on my bike uh, mentally every day in the morning kind of in war mode just thinking that i need to do this to claim my life back so yeah i went into itself uh, you know mode where i yeah my yeah life so the fighting a war that uh, uh, to reclaim your life uh, so to speak right uh, it it is a kind of uh, survival mode 
you can say that for, absolutely survival yeah fight fight for survival right it is not just uh, uh, because it is not uh, a simple thing like you said in uh, from 2009 onwards uh, one after the other uh, be it the brain tumor then the knee replacement and then uh, a really big one which is like a whole bypass that uh, needed uh, uh, with five arteries blocked and stuff it is uh, it is now or never Uh, yeah. in a sense you know it is it, it strikes me uh, as something really uh, you know uplifting uh, to hear this because uh, a lesser courageous human being would have uh, probably given up uh, uh, instead of fighting back right uh, because it is very easy to feel dejected and think you know why is this happening to me right why only me why should i have these this tumor how, how why should i go through this repl- uh, knee replacement how why should i you know have this uh, heart uh, uh, surgery and all that right I and it, uh, it right exactly the same thing you know on the hospital bed when i was crying i was only asking why me i mean you know why am i the chosen one one after the other you know so i actually i the same sentiment the same feeling and no answer obviously people who were standing around my bed nobody had an answer and they could just look at me for an hour or two and then finally it is when i thought that i am the chosen one and i'll have to fight it back so that's when you know all this you know thing to claim my life back came into me it's been then and now it's it's there yeah i mean uh in in a sense uh, you know some of us are lucky in terms of having these uh, 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 chronic uh, conditions that forces to pursue a, a, a better lifestyle and healthy lifestyle yeah. because back back in the day when i uh, was struggling uh, with my health issues chronic uh, asthma and uh, you know uh, uh, bronchitis attacks every almost every month f- falling sick uh, regularly uh, it is th- it is that health condition that you know falling sick almost every month that kind of uh, uh, shook me out of that you know oh. e- even even now when i uh, feel like uh, not going out or exercising i i tend to remember that those days of uh, sleepless nights uh, coughing my lungs out and all that so that becomes some big motivator for me to go out and ride every day right okay. so it, it it might be a kind of blessing in dis- disguise for uh, uh, folks like uh, us you know obviously that was a, a minor thing for me but you had uh, you know you had to undergo all these uh, you know bigger uh, challenges but i guess that becomes uh, that uh, forces us to stay on track right <laughs> you cannot we re- you cannot veer away from uh, you know that path and say i'll be uh, enjoying you know uh, a, a different lifestyle uh, for a few months no no way you can survive that uh, thing right not at all not at all so uh, absolutely right. this is the motivating factor for me i can't forget those 
hospital days, injection jabs, and you know all the you know pain that I've been through, and that's exactly what you know kind of keeps me on track all these years. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. I really appreciate that. You know, it it is like I was saying, it is so easy to get dejected every one of us will go through those uh, thoughts like why me why why this why now and all that but if you are able to get through that and uh, find strength to keep going that is where uh, you know a, a new life starts and yeah. obviously uh, that 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 is what happened uh, with you uh, in 2013 uh, Coming to uh, that uh, monsoon that you were talking about when you started uh, riding, um, how how was it in the initial days? You were just uh, you know from walking and uh, you know recuperating. You just got on the bike. How how were those uh, initial days of riding? How how long did it get to kind of get comfortable on the bike and stuff? You know, I mean, I guess initially I would do it for an. 45 minutes to one hour and get used to, you know, cycling. You know, so it was not what I do today, two to three hours daily. But then it was 45 minutes to one hour and gradually I built up. I built up uh, the capacity to sit on the bike, uh, the ability to kind of, you know, be on workout mode for so long. And then it, I kept on just increasing the distance, the intensity and kind of, uh, yeah, the duration as well. Uh, as I went along. So uh, that first few months, uh, walking out of the home at 5.30 in the morning in pouring rain sometimes, Mumbai rains can be quite wild. So yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not very comfortable. But then remember when you are with your horns out in war mode, uh, all these small things are not a showstopper at all. So it didn't stop me then. It doesn't stop me now. And... Uh, that's how it started. I mean, that is really interesting because uh, Mumbai monsoons are quite notorious. I know so many uh, friends. Uh, first of all, riding in Mumbai, for anyone who is riding in Mumbai, I have huge respect because it is not an easy place to ride in. Mm. It has... I mean, you have to probably deal with a lot more traffic, a lot more uh, difficult road conditions to get to a place where you can actually ride properly and safely. And then on top of it, Mumbai monsoons are really, really bad. You know, for those who don't know, it will be raining almost every day and uh, it uh, correct me if I am wrong, but uh, you know the floods are quite uh, uh, you know quite strong, and you can have uh, feeds of uh, water flowing through, and uh, it can kind of get waterlogged pretty quickly because yeah. of uh, the drainage drainage system or whatever, right? So how? How did you kind of manage to ride in those conditions? Uh, it kind of uh, boggles my mind to think about it. Well, uh, two things. One is Mumbai rains. When it's raining hard, it even hurts your eyes. Second is, uh, you know, yeah, you have floods in some areas. Thank uh, you. Over the years, I've kind of memorized all the bad spots, uh, danger spots on the road. 
100,000 kilometers on Mumbai roads. I exactly know where is a pothole, where could be that manhole cover and kind of I am very cautious. So it's not like I am much about safety. Uh, but with all that safety things in my mind, uh, I have ridden through flooded roads every year uh, with the rain hitting your uh, face so hard. Uh, so okay, the only thing now that I don't do is when it's lightning, I don't ride now. Back then, I used to ride in anything, but now, uh, thunder and rain is not a rain uh, showstopper for me. But now, if it's lightning, then I don't go out. Hmm. The only thing which right. is you are on a metal bike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, probably you have to uh, get a full carbon uh, bike where it, nothing is, uh, you know, metal. <laughs> then probably you can <laughs> venture, you know, uh, against the god of thunder as well, uh, you know, Thor, so to speak. It's really fun to ride in rains otherwise. I mean, when it's not really this bad rains, uh, hmm. riding in rains is a childlike pleasure. And uh, I've often soaked for hours and hours in Mumbai range, and it's just a great feeling. So, yeah, yeah, you really enjoy it. Right. I mean, I, I don't start my rides in rain, but once it kind of uh, starts raining, uh, if I am riding and, you know, you you are wet, it, it becomes enjoyable. The starting in rain part is something that I haven't, uh, you know, come to because I guess, you know, we have the luxury of a home trainers and all that. You just, uh, you know, uh, tell yourself, okay, what's the fun in going out when it is raining and you can get on the trainer but uh, it is a kind of uh, mental uh, this thing right you 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 never did you have a home trainer and did you try riding indoors or was it always uh, outdoors frankly only during the covid times i had access to a really nice home trainer believe me i couldn't couldn't do a single two hour ride on the home trainer i mean with on my tv i had virtual roads and music and movies, but I couldn't be motivated to ride even a single two-hour ride in in those COVID months. So kind of not so enjoyable as riding in a room for me. So whatever I tried during 2020, the COVID times didn't work. So it's always outdoor for me. So I didn't have earlier, but what I tried now also didn't work. So Right. Nice. Nice. So, uh, from from then on like in uh, from 2013 onwards you've been riding uh, consistently now uh, we are into 2023 in the last 10 years you have ridden 130000 uh, kilometers um, so that that is like a mind boggling number and mind boggling consistency consistency so to speak right uh, it kind of averages to if you look at it if it averages to like 13000 kilometers uh, per year um, uh, but i would think you know not every year was the same uh, you know were there ups and downs during these uh, last 10 years in terms of riding or was it like very consistent throughout the year yeah, i mean i've been doing 10000 kilometers every year since 2014 Four mm-hmm. years. So it's been 10,000. In fact, last few years, I've been touching 15,000 plus minus. So, in fact, earlier my daughters were studying. 
so i had to negotiate with my wife to kind of you know uh, go to leave them some day then so kind of i could stop at 10000 kilometers a year but yeah my consistency of riding has been similar in fact it's only grown better over the years now my average is 15 to 18 hours of riding every 6 days a week so that's almost over to an half hours a day back then it was probably 1 1 and 1/2 hours due to the children's school and so on but the consistency in terms of number of uh, active days 250 to 280 approximately active days a year is what has been consistent over the years uh, it's only grown better uh, in the last few years right coming and you know talking about negotiating uh, with the family for uh, you know school dropping duties and uh, you know stuff like that there is another aspect of uh, life which is also work right um, uh, there is work there is family and there is uh, our uh, passion and uh, the need to take care of our health so w- what what was work for you and how how did you kind of uh, manage that uh, during this period yeah, yeah. so i run an it company which i founded at the age of 19 so kind of work was always there and it is always you know a little bit stressful and you're active but uh, what i actually did uh, differently that i reserved my morning to hours in fact i cut down my sleep to 6 and 1/2 hours even today i sleep around Six and a half hours or little more, and I kept that constant, and I juggled my entire life around it. So I sleep by 10 p.m. I go to office after let's say 9 a.m. and uh, I've kept the two hours constant, and I've juggled my entire routine, family, work, uh, you know, social duties, and so on around it. And come what may, you know, the two hours that I reserve for my passion, I don't change. unless there's a big need to so that is really worked for me i mean i see that a lot of friends have difficulty uh, keeping up with the passion of let's say running walking or cycling just because they're not able to keep a constant lifestyle out of this whole thing so i made right. a lifestyle out of one is eating uh, the right stuff uh, you know avoiding because of my heart issues and second is about keeping my passion hours constant in fact i snatched those passion hours from my sleep largely and i actually am a full day working person after mm. cycling two and a half hours a day i actually am so active uh, mentally and uh, there's a lot of energy uh, in you so in fact it absolutely makes you a better worker so to your family and i'm sure at your workplace they might notice a more pleasant version of you because you and your passion hours in the morning so that's how it really actually positively impacts your life it doesn't take out anything it doesn't make you tired or worn out and you are sleepy at work no 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 it's the way around you are right. a better father you are a better husband uh, you are not drowsy you are not grumpy you are not snapping at people at office and at work so believe me uh, cycling has actually led to many positives around work and family and i managed to keep uh, my time you know dedicated to all of this and it worked very well for me excellent the end of you know blocking that out blocking that uh, time out eating uh, it uh, and saying this is for this right this is for myself this is me, me time this is for me and my cycle and everything else will uh, 
revolve around that uh, absolutely makes sense priorities make uh, uh, absolutely make or break uh, everything uh, in our life right so let me give you an example i used to play a lot of cricket in my life but today if there is ipl on till 11:30 pm in the night i wouldn't stay up beyond 10 pm because my next day is going to get impacted if i don't sleep you know 6 hours so i sleep by 10 pm though cricket was life at one point my next day will be impacted if i keep watching a dhoni or a kohli or somebody uh, till 12 pm in the night and my next day is gone clean bowl so sorry Right. So that's how you know your passion hours are important, and your own life is important rather than just sitting with a remote in your hand. No, absolutely, absolutely, great point. So uh, uh, you mentioned also that uh, uh, about the lifestyle changes in terms of what. you can eat what you don't uh, you know what you want to avoid and stuff um, are there any things that uh, you absolutely won't touch now nowadays versus what you allowed uh, uh, to have before and uh, what is your uh, general uh, diet uh, uh, in general nowadays so in general very largely i don't touch uh, too many you know uh, oily stuff because i have a heart bypass and i'm still on medicines uh, the beta blockers and the blood thinners and so on because of my tumor so yeah i largely eat healthy stuff uh, avoid fried stuff colas are probably once in a while which is one one bottle in a few weeks so kind of uh, all that is gone out of my life samosas or puris fried stuff is not there in my life or it's come down to very low level so yeah largely mm. eating healthy uh, all my three meals and i avoid okay. street food almost completely i don't touch street food at all which is very popular in mumbai right well, the vada pav misal pav and all that stuff right <laughs> only homemade largely but all i do have it would largely be homemade right right excellent and uh, coming to your uh, you know cycling and the places it has taken you over the years what are the uh, some, some of the favorite um, uh, cycling trips or expeditions that you have done over the years uh, and what are some of the memories from them so thank you for uh, all your listeners let me tell you i started bike touring at age 48 with a tour from manali to kadungla that was my first tour before that i had done a couple of small tours and but then bike touring really got into me and then i did entire pretty valley on bike 2017 i turned 50 and i celebrated with a one month tour across canada 2 and 1/2000 kilometers across the most beautiful parts of canada and then i've done kashmir to ladakh i've done entire uh, circle of switzerland on cycle so i landed in zurich with my bike and panniers and i did a whole uh, circle of switzerland on bike around 21 days totally so bike touring has really gone into me and every year i try to have at least one big tour and one small tour big tour is about 3 weeks or more and a small one is let's say 10 days or so so i recently did a five country tour of europe in october 2022 so this was netherlands belgium france 
Switzerland and uh, I finally ended in Italy. And uh, in India, I've done some very tough tours. I recently did the Sach Pass at 16,000 feet, riding in a blizzard in snow, and I came down at 16,000 feet. So some amazing trips I've done in India and uh, in other countries of the world. Well, let me tell you very frankly, some of these other countries, they have bike infrastructure reserved for cyclists. There is no danger and you're absolutely secluded from traffic. So obviously, we enjoy that a lot more than in India where you ride on state and national highways. So Canada has been wonderful. Switzerland is a paradise for cyclists. Absolute paradise, yeah. Oh man, that is like uh, a treasure trove. You were a big, big tourer. Oh, let us let us dig into some of those tours. Uh, you know, what was the experience of uh, uh, you know riding thirty days in Canada? You know, how how was uh, that experience? Share a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. So actually, we flew to Edmonton, and from Edmonton, which is in the center of uh, Canada. We did the entire mountains uh, on cycle. So obviously you are a cyclist. You understand that riding at 20 kilometers an hour, soaking in all the beauty of the place, uh, talking to the locals, feeling the local lifestyle. And we used to stay in smaller, decent hotels. So kind of you were literally living, uh, you know, the bike touring, tourist life and feeling the local, uh, you know, flavors. Uh, eating local food. So it was amazing to go through the Canadian Rockies and then all the way up to Vancouver. Um, People were so nice to us cyclists. And in fact, I had an Indian flag on both sides of my pannier. And with the Indian flag, I uh, rode across Canada. That was a very proud, proud feeling for me. So amazing experience uh, as a bike tourist here. How many, uh, you were saying, uh, we, uh, uh, so how many of you uh, were you riding uh, with? We were five of us in Canada. In Switzerland, I was with three other cyclists. So what I do, Vanky, is everything goes from Mumbai, as in my panniers, the bikes and everything goes from here. Everything is planned. And, uh, you know, your stops are obviously well defined. So, and every fifth to six days is a holiday. To wash your clothes and bike, uh, you know, keep your bike uh, up to date and so on. So, yeah, so that's how you live. You go from city A to B to C to D and so on. And you go on and on and on. But every six day or seven day is kind of a cool down period. Rest your muscles, wash your clothes, uh, you know, leave your bike and so on. So that's how it is. Excellent. So uh, these friends are from Mumbai or uh, is it, uh, uh, you know, from the places that you are uh, riding in? Uh, mostly yeah, they've been from Mumbai. A couple of times I've had people from other cities, but largely they've been friends. Uh, when you go on a bike tour, you live with your friends 24 by 7. You don't just go and say, hey, let's ride together. I don't do that. You have personality clashes. You have to live with a man for woman for 24 by 7, on the bike and off the bike. So you choose your uh, co-riders very, very wisely. You need to, you know, be very clear about certain set rules, about bike touring, and things can go wrong. You know, things right. can fit. That's when, you know, sparks can fly between people. So, yeah, there generally are people yeah. that I, I don't right. uh, trust about anybody.
Right. So uh, that that is very true because uh, you know when you are tired, when you are doing a, a thing for our, uh, you know riding say hundred, two hundred kilometers day in and day out, you I mean one can uh, get really tired and it can uh, uh, you know people can snap at you at random uh, times and it kind of. Uh, you know can uh, bring the worst uh, in us uh, as well right so it is important to kind of uh, uh, know the person well enough to kind of understand all those and all those uh, peculiarities and accept them and look beyond those right and sometimes you know somebody is not up to it he's tired or you know like has a problem so kind of everybody has to be patient and accommodating to you know account for these challenges some people have bike challenges on the road and then you cannot snap somebody has right. something is not well so on so these things happen on tour so kind mm. of you know you don't just yeah. go and do a tour with anybody absolutely absolutely you plan for everything but also you kind of uh, you know have to be accepting of the fact that when more than one person uh, is involved it you know lot more factors can come in and kind of can go wrong and so you have to be like uh, mindful of all that and accepting of all that yes, so Uh, amazing amazing so how long was this uh, i mean how uh, how many kilometers did you guys end up uh, riding in canada and over 30 days you said right yeah canada was 2 and 1/2000 kilometers so like i said around 24 or 25 cycling days so you ride mm. typically 90 to 120 kilometers on most days switzerland mm. was lower but there a lot of climbing in switzerland recently right. i did five country europe tour that was i think around 1500 or 1400 kilometers mm-hmm. so, along with what all did you co- what all did you uh, cover in those five uh, five uh, country uh, europe tour yeah so uh, i flew into amsterdam i wanted to start in amsterdam which is a mecca for cyclists so i saw how well the city has been modeled around cyclists so spent a couple of days there then from amsterdam i went from north down to south covered the whole of netherlands they have cycling highways for us in india you know all these are like big surprises so they have separate cycling highways marked they are not just paths they are cycling highways so anyway then went into belgium and then again belgium from north down to south we covered all the best cities of belgium and then entered france from the north of france and rode all the way to paris and then paris i went eastwards on towards switzerland where i rode up to basel which is a border town between switzerland and uh, france and from basel i entered on to switzerland and this time i wanted to do the purka pass last time when i went to switzerland it was closed due to snow so it was my dream this time to climb the purka pass which is a 21 km climb similar to wow. some ones that you did in TFN so this was alone with a steel bike this is quite heavy it's not a, a carbon bike so yeah touring is generally on the bigger steel bike so you know it's quite tough and with luggage it can be around 30 plus kilos so yeah, yeah. i did the pass and then from purka pass i went to a border town of switzerland and then i crossed over to milan in italy and from milan i flew back to mumbai 
nice 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 so uh, what are the things that you would uh, uh, keep in mind while planning uh, such tours uh, say for uh, people listening to this uh, podcast uh, want to plan a long uh, self supported bike tour uh, what are the things uh, uh, what are your advice uh, for such uh, listeners so first thing first i guess if you're starting out you should start out with some trips in india uh, mm. so that you will get used to riding 8 to 10 hours 12 hours with a loaded bike i'm not talking about the carbon bikes that people are used to riding uh, i'm talking about a loaded bike with luggage uh, so you do that in india so that you realize where you stand and then anyway once you're looking at the bike tour you understand the topology or the terrain that is what is the uh, you know Altitude and what are the climbs involved uh, in the place, the temperature. So you know when you go to certain parts of the world. Right now, I'm planning trips towards New Zealand and Australia. So their weather is absolutely opposite. They have summer from December to February, and they have winter which starts now in April, May onwards. So you know you look at the time of the year where you're going, and you look at uh, the you know terrain that you're going to climb. and you better be uh, you know used to the fact that you're going to climb with a loaded bike so you know you need to have a lot of practice but just having a lot of enthusiasm doesn't work you also need to be prepared that's when you'll really enjoy um, yeah people who want to do trips outside india i would definitely advise some of the more bike friendly countries of europe first because like i said they are very safe and they have a lot of infrastructure for cyclists awesome so uh, like you uh, you know the, it, it is very important to uh, like you said to start small and probably st- uh, start locally uh, to kind of get used to all these uh, variables that you are bringing in like uh, you you might uh, have to start with uh, 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 one day overnight tour and you know couple of days tour uh, around the place you are uh, with the bike that you are planning to use with the, all the kind of luggage uh, luggage that you want to carry so that you understand that riding your carbon bike at 30 35 kmph uh, and in say 3 hours uh, 100 kilometers is way different than what you would uh, see on a loaded touring bike um, and uh, uh, you know in various terrain it will be uh, uh, taking uh, a lot more different you will be in a different time zone let let's say right <laughs> the roadie time zone and the touring time zone are different and you have to kind of understand that Uh, let me tell you a surprising fact on bike tours with a loaded bike with your <clears throat> photography stuff with your food stuff breakfast and so on you are talking about 10 to 12 kilometers an hour average all right so with right. your client your photo stuff with your you know stopping around small cafes and so on 10 to 12 hours uh, 10 to 12 kilometers an hour is your actual in reality speed So when you talk about right. 100 kilometers, be ready to be on the road for eight to ten hours, right? Exactly. And yeah. A bike tour, you are. It's not about reaching from point A to point B. That's the last thing you want. You want But to so in the saddle time. So while you are on the saddle, you don't want it to end. So you really don't want to go fast and try to prove a point to let's say a Venki that hey, I did it in five hours. Chetan was talking about ten hours. <laughs> 
about enjoying the 100 kilometers that you're going to do every day. So yeah, that's how it is. Eight to ten hours for hundred kilometers daily. Awesome, awesome. And then you uh, also plan plan about your logistics. What you uh, you know these practice tours or smaller tours locally and in places that are nearby would also teach you how to uh, I mean what to carry, how much to carry, and uh, what to expect in term I mean uh, in terms of uh, planning you how much to carry your food how much to carry uh, how many accessories you have to carry what uh, change of clothes you have to carry and all these kind of also come into the picture right and emergency food remember that in places like canada the country is so huge often from morning to night we wouldn't get a single stop on the whole day so hmm. your parathas or morning sandwich at your uh, hotel uh, breakfast you need to have emergency food in your bag times. So that has been a religion for me on every tour, which is your self-designed uh, uh, tour with your luggage. You need to have uh, emergency food with you at all times. Yeah, I mean, in places like uh, India, it is probably you will find a, a roadside dhaba or roadside, uh, you know, stall every few kilometers. But uh, in countries uh, like Canada and, uh, you know, most countries in Europe, you won't find those things, especially on those cycling paths. Some of these countries, Canada, small towns, everything shuts at 5 p.m. So Right. You also have to know all that. Yeah, absolutely. And plan accordingly. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Thanks, uh, Chetan, for that. Uh, now, coming to uh, TFN itself, uh, you know, last year uh, we rode uh, together in uh, TFN. Uh, what was your experience of the tour and what were some of the memories from the tour? So, uh, Venki, tour of Nilgiris was an incredible experience for me. I mean, I've done 16, 17 tours by now. But Tour of Nilgiri is an incredible experience, not only because I was riding amongst coffee estate and tea estates, but living the bike life with 100 other cyclists, looking at the passion of the organizers to make everything perfect. I mean, I thought that every small thing was thought of and, you know, it was there for the cyclists. So I could actually see it because I've done a lot of touring. And then I saw a lot of cyclists uh, each of us had our own different capacities to do those kind of, you know, climbs and distances. And each of us in our own way, you know, trying to kind of, uh, you know, not challenge, but actually coax others to keep up. So and the whole experience of TFN was a super experience. Like I said, not only the terrain where I was riding, but uh, the organizers really, really put a lot of into making things right for the riders and uh, the riders themselves you know uh, that commentary between 100 people was so I definitely hope to do it very soon again not sure about this year but next year for sure 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 I'm, I'm, uh, I, I agree with you uh, on all these points because uh, I've been uh, riding uh, tour of Nilgiris for every edition starting in 2011 uh, oh 
2011 was my first uh, tour of Nilgiris uh, and then oh. from 2012 onwards I have been part of tour of Nilgiris as an official blogger so I come ride and then write about the tour and uh, only last year was uh, the uh, year that I actually did not uh, you know blog but uh, that will change again this year I will be back and uh, you know do my daily blogs and stuff and last year was also the first time where I did not complete the tour because I fell sick uh, uh, during oh. rest day okay and okay. i yeah i, I could not uh, recover uh, after that and um, the after rest day all three days i had to uh, sit out because uh, i i could keep nothing in i was like uh, i spent more time in the bathroom than <laughs> any uh, thing okay. so yeah. yeah yeah no that i think there was some uh, uh, bug that was going around uh, around that time and a couple of us got affected thankfully most of the riders uh, were there and the uh, you know the like you said the incredible support i was taken uh, very good care of and uh, luckily we were uh, staying in one place we were not traveling so in wooty i was uh, you know recouped in my room to kind of uh, recover from that uh, so it was good but i'm really looking forward to this year again uh, at the tour and, and uh, ho- hoping to see you soon uh, again at the tour and uh, ride okay. together i'm hoping to do a tfn again for sure great great so it's been a fantastic uh, chat uh, chetan uh, but to, to kind of uh, conclude the session what are some of the tips that you would give uh, working athletes to do well at uh, sport and uh, you know balance work life and family life so great question venki uh, today for a lot of working athletes uh, work fills up a big part of our life obviously but uh, guys life is about creating memories life is about doing things right so my biggest advice to you would be that carve out your passion uh, time i mean uh, and ensure that you actually you know straddle your work family and your passion and kind of balance it and for those of you who kind of do not make this a lifestyle might just keep struggling with uh, let's say being a cyclist because you just not you know doing it often enough so uh make your lifestyle out of this and create great memories in life that's what life is all about so while work is important work has to be done but uh, and obviously family is family uh but this little time that you we give to ourselves to live our passions is definitely something which opens your mind and actually makes you a better person so uh, do give this a long thought and see how you can straddle your passion along with your other responsibilities in life and i'm sure most of us you know are able to you know keep a fine balance here that would be my message awesome uh, you've been uh, uh, you know big uh, inspiration by actually uh, you know tackling all the challenges that 
that uh, life threw at you and keeps throwing at you uh, you know you have been a absolute warrior uh, you know dealing with all those uh, issues uh, with a smile and uh, in, on the bike always being consistent and cheerful thank you achetan uh, and uh, keep inspiring a lot more people thank you so much vanky for inviting me on your show and uh, i do hope to meet you again hopefully at tfn all the best thank you chetan that was my conversation with chetan i hope you enjoyed that if you are enjoying these podcasts and finding them useful please consider supporting the podcast by subscribing to it on youtube as well as on your favorite podcasting app Also supporting the sponsors of the podcast is a way to support the podcast. Thanks again for your continuous support. See you next week with another guest.